coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'm in love with two men at the same time, and it's very difficult. What's difficult about it for you? Because I love my husband. You don't. Hold on, hold on. You don't. And you have heard him. So that, that ship sailed. I don't want to leave my husband, but I don't want to break things off with this other gentleman either. What up, what up, what up? This is John, the Dr. John Deloney Show. Show about your mental and emotional health and your marriage and your kids. All of it. So glad that you're with us. On this show, we talk about everything. We talk about um, living with people who are hard to live with. We talk about finding love. We talk about, man, your mental health, whatever's going on in your life. Um, I'm here for you. Sit with you and we'll figure out what to do next. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291 or go to com slash ask. Couple of housekeeping notes. This is super important. Number one, here is a new segment called I was wrong. I was wrong. Here's what I was wrong about. Well, there's probably a bunch of things, but here's the big thing. So I had a caller. Kelly, do you know when that caller was? I don't have it off the top of my head, but if you'll give me a minute, I can find it. Okay. Um, We had a caller who called in, and she was going through just hell. Um, She was really in a messy situation, and I asked her why she was still staying in in what was an abusive marriage. And she said there was some pretty wild laws about divorce and her estate that she had to stay in this house. And I told her, I said, that cannot be right. Can't be right. It's madness. What if you end up getting killed? Like, right? Well, I was wrong. I was wrong. And um, I was on the phone this morning with my great friend, Mike, who's a brilliant attorney in Texas and just talking through um, divorce law that if you don't know, divorce law is, is state by state. It's not federal. And you would think things are very similar. Turns out across the country, they're not. And I've been working with somebody who is, or walking alongside somebody is probably a better way to say that. Um, I had a no-fault divorce, very simple, and it took a magnitude of thousands of dollars more than I thought it was going to, and it took probably 5x the time that I thought it was going to take to get this thing settled. And so, all that to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, I'm going to look for a great family law attorney and see if we can have him on the show. I get a lot of questions about law and um, kids and breakups and divorce. So I'm going to see if I can find somebody who could come on and tell me some of these things that are going on in in different jurisdictions across the country, different states, and um, some of the things that individuals go through behind closed doors when it comes to the divorce process. So, um, Kelly, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll just put it in there. But if you want to go back and listen to the call, I got some really gnarly messages about how mean I was and how stupid I am. and all, That's fine. I get that. Um, and I was clearly wrong about the uh, divorce. Like, I was wrong. I was wrong. I did not know that some states um, are run by morons. So I'll, let's go out to Columbia, Tennessee, and talk to Melissa. What's up, Melissa? Hey, Dr. John. What's up? Uh, just a lot of mess going on. Uh-oh. Tell me about it. Uh, so, husband, we've been together for about seven years. Okay. Um, got married last year. Um, ooh. And about six months ago, I entered an affair with another man. Okay. Um, and at this point, I am, it was started out as something fun. I know that's stupid, um, but it turned into something 
a lot more emotional than I expected. And now at this point, I just, I don't know what to do. I mean, I do know what to do, but I don't know what to do at the same time. Like, I know cheating on my husband is wrong, but at the same time, I have really deep feelings for this other man, and I'm in love with two men at the same time, and it's just very difficult. Mm. What's difficult Uh, about it for you? Well, it's because I love my husband. You don't. don't Hold on, hold on. You don't. And you have heard him, so that, that ship sailed. Like, what's hard about it? I just don't know what to do at this point. I, I mean, I, I, my husband doesn't know, um, what's going on. Um, the other gentleman does know that I am married. Um, and I don't want to leave my husband, but I don't want to break things off with this other gentleman either. So let me, let me put, let me give you another side to this. Okay. So number one, I don't think you love your husband. I don't. I think you love the idea of the security that seven plus years of of quasi-stable relationship brings. I also think, because, well, I'll just leave it at that. I also think deep down you understand that you are with somebody of so little character that he doesn't mind blowing up another family so he can hook up with somebody. So I think you found yourself in a, like a pretty, pretty uh, dicey moral dilemma. And this isn't who you want to be, is it? No, it's not. I mean, I consider my, I, I've never done anything like this in my entire life. Hold on, hold on. I, I, I don't care about that because you are right. You are right now. You are yeah. right now. And so that, just, th- we can say those kind of statements to make ourselves feel better in the moment. Mm-hmm. Let's don't do that. Let's don't try to like uh, numb over this moment. Okay. It sucks. And so I don't see a way where all of this doesn't end in ash. Maybe it does. If you go back to your husband, you cut this off and you never talk to this stranger again as long as you live. Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and your husband chooses to build something new with you because your marriage as you know it is over. It's over completely burned to the ground. And if y'all choose to build something else, cool. Or you leave your husband of, of one year plus six years and you make a life with this dude and you're always going to know he's the kind of guy that really doesn't care. He'll blow up somebody's family just to get his. It's both and, right? Yeah. So, like, you called knowing probably what you're going to do. What are you going to do? I, I'm i going to tell my husband what's going on and uh, let him make the decision. No, on... no, 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 no. He doesn't get to make this call. you got to be a grown woman. You made the decision to blow up your house and you made the decision to find true, true love finally with this dude. Where'd y'all meet? The gym. Of course. Is he a personal (laughs) trainer? He's not. Okay. Um, Let me ask you this. What what was it about seven years with the guy that became your husband? What about that relationship? It's been difficult. 
Um, we've had a lot of ups and downs. I suffer from mental illness. I'm a recovering drug addict. Okay. So he's been with me through a lot of stuff and I felt like I owed my life to him for pulling me out of everything. I don't feel like we're compatible in a lot of ways because I like a lot of emotional touch, a lot of affirmation, and I don't feel like I get that. Have you ever been really specific and clear with him about what you need? Several times. And he's good for a couple of days and then he just kind of falls back into old habits. Okay. Why did you marry him? I felt like I owed it to him, honestly, for everything that he went through with me. Um, hospital stays, rehab, that kind of thing. So I just felt like I owed it to him to stay with him because he stayed with me through a lot of crap that most men wouldn't have. Yeah. And I think relationship and love out of obligation eventually runs out of gas. Yeah. And sometimes what seems like the, the kindest thing to do can end up being the cruelest thing. Because he's been through hell and back with you. And he saw something in you seven years ago that you couldn't see in yourself, right? Right. And he, and he took that trip. And instead of you having the harder conversation saying, honey, I'm not going to marry you. I'll always have a place for you in my soul. Like, like you walked alongside me through some darkness. And um, also, I don't think we were meant to be romantically involved for the rest of our lives to build a life together. Um, both of those things can be true. And that might that might sound mean, but it's just him being honest. But look at him in the eye and say, I do forever. And then immediately finding somebody new to hook up with, that feels more cruel, right? Mm-hmm. What is it about your home that uh, makes you feel like you're slowly suffocating? I, it feels very controlling in a way. I... My husband sees every dime that I spend. I have no access to any of our financial accounts. I get an allowance of what I can spend every week. And he still, like I said, he sees every dime I spend. So he's your dad. He's not your husband. <laughs> right? I go anywhere. I mean, yeah, it feels that way sometimes. And I've told him that. You're not allowed to go anywhere? I Not without telling him where I'm going. So you're in an abusive, controlling relationship. It seems that way sometimes, yes. Okay. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Um, I want you to go find somebody to talk to today before you talk to anybody. Do you have somebody? I have a, I have a, I mean. Like- you, have a, you have a counselor in town? You need a neutral third party. I do have a counselor. Um, it's my pastor at church. One of my pastors. Okay. Have you told your pastor what's going on? I have not. Okay. Man, this is hard. Here's why this is hard. Oh boy, I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. <laughs> um. Whew. All right. I was just gonna say it. So. I need you to sit down with somebody who is not going to immediately default to sending you back to an abusive relationship. And there's some, there are some extraordinary, brilliant, trained 
pastors who understand that fidelity in a marriage is bigger than just who had sex with somebody. But you can have financial infidelity and you can have, um, you can stomp somebody's soul out and you're not being a person of fidelity in a marriage. And my fear for you is that you go tell a pastor. And by the way, I'm telling you right now, this other relationship at the gym ends in a supernova. Period. And people on the internet be like, you don't know, you don't know. I'm telling you right now, this ends bad, okay? So I would put that one to bed and anybody who tells you otherwise, like, no, just go try it out and see how it goes. They're just, that's just YOLO nonsense, okay? But if your pastor is somebody who will listen to you and will hear you and will hear you for the mess that your marriage is right now and isn't mm-hmm. instantly going to say, not to stay with knucklehead. I think you should cut that one off. That's just, if you were my sister or my friend, I would say, just be done with that. You, sh- What you're feeling is somebody treating you on an equal playing field. You're feeling alive for the first time, probably post-sobriety. And it feels like love. It is not. It is two people that met at a gym and they're hooking up. The other side of that is, uh, and by the way, when you one of you has security and one of you has endless amounts of freedom. You can lay together and dream and talk about the future. You can do all that stuff with no strings attached because one of you's anchored in and the other one's just at sea. When you end up breaking up with, uh, if your husband and you decide to break up, you're going to realize what a mess it is. What I'm nervous about is you go sit with a pastor who's well-meaning and says, you have to end this relationship at the gym. Fair, I agree. And You've got to go back and be subservient to a person who is abusive to you. And that's where I would challenge him. Here's the deal. You may end up with nobody at the end of this deal. And I don't know that that's the wrong move. I don't know that that's not the right thing right now. Being alone scares me, honestly. Of course it does. Probably terrifies you. Does being in an abusive relationship terrify you? A little bit, yeah. Is being with somebody I mean, who he's cheats. never helped me, so I've never thought of it as abusive. If somebody won't let you be a person of agency, they treat you like their daughter. That is controlling. Now, he would probably tell me if I was talking to him on the phone, dude, you don't know how many nights I had to go find her in an alley and the nights in rehab, the nights in the hospital. We've created a system that works to keep her alive. Is that probably what he would tell me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to back out of all my advice, okay? I'm not going to tell you what to do here. I'm going to tell you cheating on your husband's not right. Never. Is it okay? It's not okay. All right? I'm going to tell you, I think you should go talk to your pastor or your counselor and sit down and say, here's what's happening. Here's where I am. And... Here's the things that my husband does that makes me feel unsafe. And I also know that even though this other person makes me feel alive, it's a facade. It's not real. And that you don't know what to do next. Okay? Okay. Is that, is that fair? Yes. And do you understand I'm not yelling at you? I'm not mad at you? I know. My heart aches for you. I can't even imagine the roads you've traveled, right? Mm, probably not. Yeah. I'll say this. I'm glad you're still here. If you are 
wrestling with mental health challenges, please get under the care of a trained licensed professional. Um, I'm going to give you three months free with my friends at BetterHelp and stay on the line. We'll get you a code and you can connect with a licensed counselor, licensed therapist there that can walk alongside you. <sighs> Your husband's going to get to decide if he wants to stay. He doesn't get to decide what you do. You're, you're a grown adult. You get to decide what happens next. I'm going to ask you to be a person of good character and to admit where you've gone sideways and to admit that you've hurt people and to also make a decision moving forward that is in alignment with your values, with who you want to be, with your character. There is no way forward without pain. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt multiple people. It's going to be a mess. And I promise you there's light on the other side of it if you be a person of character walking through it and if you get people to walk with you. You can't do this by yourself. Thank you for the call, Melissa. Let us know how it goes. I can't wait to hear about this one. We'll be right back. This show is brought to you by Hallow. Almost every day, whether I'm doing my red light therapy, driving to work, listening to the Gregorian chants on the airplane, or just sitting on my front porch, I spend time using Hallow, my go-to app for guided prayer, music, and meditation. And right now, I'm going through a particularly stressful time. I got big deadlines, big speeches coming up in front of thousands of people, end of school and other family transitions, and on and on. And recently, I made a decision amidst all the chaos to dive even deeper into my faith and spiritual practices, and Hallow is leading the way. Hallow is the number one prayer and meditation app in the world. They have 10,000 plus audio guided prayers and meditations, including daily prayers, daily gospel reflections, daily psalm readings, daily writings, minute meditations, and more. And there are places for people in Hallow who are skeptical and new to this whole faith conversation. And there's places for those who have been swimming in these waters their entire life and who just want to go deeper. And there are stories, audiobooks, and other special things for kids and focuses on mental and emotional health. For listeners of the Dr. John Deloney Show, Hallow will give you three free months. That's all 10,000 plus prayers, meditations, music, lecture series, all of it. Three free months if you go to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go out to Wichita and talk to Elizabeth. What's up, Elizabeth? Yes. What's up? Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Of course. Um, um, I was wondering how I can recover from past trauma with my son. Tell me what happened. Um, we, my husband and I, have... I'm sorry. No, you're Very okay. Nervous. Take your time. Take your time. You're um, good. Um, we've experienced a lot of abusive sort of situations um, with our son. Um, it got to the point where um, we have three other kids in our home, and um, we had to have him removed from our home. Um, Sorry. No, you're okay. Take your time. Was um, it be, was it due to violence or was it due to sexual predation? Like, what was it? Violence. violence. Um, Man. Is it adopted he, adopted son or a biological son? He's my biological. Um, 
I had him with an abusive ex-husband. Um, and then my husband adopted him a few years ago. How old is he? He's 11. Is he a ward of the state now? Yes. Yeah. As far as I know. What was the benefit of, and this is me, not, there's no judgment here at all. I'm being curious. I'm just interested in the procedural, like the mechanics. What was the benefit of waiving your parental rights, signing him over to the state versus putting him in a boy's home or a children's home? Um, he's been in therapy and we've been connected with multiple people. Um, over the last, he, he's been here since he was four in Kansas and, um, where we're at, there just really isn't a whole lot. Um, and everything we were told by health professionals and other people kind of that were with us in our situation and things, um, everything that was said was that the only option for those types of homes is if he's in state custody. So, um, that was kind of a decision. Obviously we did not take lightly. Sure. I don't, um, I've got some friends that, um, run Whetstone boys ranch in Missouri in South Missouri. Um, but it's a place where troubled boys go and they live there for a year um, I don't, the, the, the purpose is always reunification, but here's what I want. Mm -hmm. Like, so that's, that's all I know. I know, I know about boys ranches and I was on the board at Texas boys ranch. Like, so I get how that system works. This sounds like I've never heard of the advice you were given, but, um, that doesn't mean it was wrong. It sounds like this may have been a very extreme situation. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you, I'm so sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry for the hell that's been your home. Sorry for the hell that was your abusive relationship. I'm sorry for the dreams y'all had. The strain is put on your marriage. I'm sorry for this little boy who's clearly got some major, major struggles. Yes. Man. I'm heartbroken for everybody. I'm heartbroken for this little boy. I'm heartbroken for y'all. My goodness. So how can I help you? Because, um, sorry. You're okay. Take your time. You're okay. Otherwise, how do I move on? I mean, I don't think it's, I just don't know, I guess, how to help, help myself, help my family, my kids. Um, his brother's 10 years old. And his little sister's four um, while he was in the home, and now she's five. And then my other daughter's one. Yeah. Um, are they missing him, or is there relief in the home? What? What? How are the kids responding? Initially, during all of it, um, they wanted him gone because sure. they thought they thought we would not survive. Um, it got really, really bad. Um, sure. to the point where we had no choice. Sure. Um, so here's the deal. I don't, um, I'm not here to second guess your choice. Okay. 
my I'm here to sit with a hurting mama. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know, just step by step, if your son had passed away, I would, I would know. I would say, here's what your next steps are going to look like. Here's what the next few years are going to look like. This one's a little bit different because he's still out there, right? Yeah. And um, you know the care that you would have given him, and you also know this exceeded my ability to help, right? I just feel bad for giving up. I know. And I want you to feel good that your other three kids are safe. Yeah. So I don't see a super smooth step-by-step transition from where you are to this new kumbaya reality for a while. It's going to be really hard. Yeah. Did you make this decision hand-in-hand with some great mental health professionals and some um, people who are in your corner? Um, Yes. Um, It's just outside of our family and the health professionals, like at our church and things, um, and work, it's extremely difficult to explain the situation and um, then don't they don't get a they don't get a vote yeah it's just hard when like my my in-laws they um they're incredible people they're the pastor of my husband's um they're the pastor of our church that we go to and um it's it's difficult for them because and us too. I mean, when someone asks, "Oh, how many children do you have, or how many grandchildren do you have?" Um, so here's what here's so what hard. it is. Here's what people don't have to. Here's what you don't have to go into detail about. You don't have to go into detail about custodial arrangements. You don't have to go into whose names on the whatever list. You can say, "My oldest son." If someone says, "How many kids do you have?" You can say four. I have one son who's in um, a home for boys who grew up with really just overwhelming challenges as a young kid. Wow, my gosh, what happened? That's just not something I like to talk about. And that's it. They don't have to know the, the, the custody arrangements that you signed over and all that stuff. And here's the thing. Um... Let's say he gets the treatment he needs and there is a remarkable cure and they find the right balance of medication and work and therapy and all of his stuff. And he comes out at 18 and he'll be angry and frustrated and you gave up on me and all that stuff. But if he's truly well and whole, when he's 23, 24, 25, he may say, wow. My mom was out of tools, out of options. And when she couldn't sleep knowing that I might go kill my brother and sister in the middle of the night, she did what she had to do. Right? Yeah. And so here's, what I, here's a couple of things I want you to do moving forward. I want you to never, ever say the word I gave up on him. Because you didn't. Okay? 
My guess is you probably went a little bit too long. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Two, don't try to wish this away. It's going to hurt for a while. It's going to hurt for a long while. And all of this brought up that old crap from your previous marriage, right? Yes. I mean, my ex-husband left me, but it's like we've been living with the 10 times version of him um, for the last... Eight years. Yeah. Oh. I want you to make a regular practice of this, okay? Okay. I want you to write a letter to him, maybe once a month, maybe once a week at the beginning, and just put it in a shoebox. Okay. And here's the fantasy, okay? And by the way, pure fantasy here. The chances of this happening are almost nil. But let's give it a shot. Let's pretend he turns 25 one day and is functioning, been through the system, and by then he's able to speak into Alexa and AI finds you immediately and he gets your number. And he calls and says, Mom, I want to have coffee. Imagine you're able to slide across the table a shoebox full of letters. And you're able to say, even when I couldn't take care of you, even when I couldn't hold you, even when I couldn't protect you. I give you to the people that could. I never stopped loving you. I never stopped thinking about you. And if brother and sisters ask where's brother, where's big brother, say he had to move away so he could get all the help and care that he need because he's very, very sick. And he is a kind of sick that he can't be here because it's not safe for him and it's not safe for all of us. But man, we sure do miss him, don't we? I miss him too. And can I tell you something really important? It's important for them to see you cry. And it's important for them to see you sad. Yeah. Don't do that privately. I see me cry a lot. <laughs> okay. And tell him, I miss brother. I wish he wasn't sick. I wish he was allowed to be here, but he's not allowed to be here. Okay. And okay. I don't want you to gloss over this. I want you and your husband every single week at the beginning of the week, sit down and say, Hey, how can I love you this week? Where are you? Maybe he'll write him letters. And by the way, yeah. in many ways, this might be a fool's errand. And this might keep that wound open for a long, long time. I just am of the opinion that you can't close a wound on a child like this. So I'd rather face that wound head on than somehow pretend, duct tape it closed and pretend it's going to go away because I don't think it is. I think in the back of your mind, you're always going to wonder what's Bubba doing? How is he today? I wonder what his day's like today. And so I'd rather head into that storm than just continue to push it away and push it away and push it away. I'll also tell you this, that when families lose a child, when families go through this kind of trauma, it puts a unfathomable strain on your marriage. And so y'all are going to have to be hyper-intentional. Probably get some marriage counseling. Probably connect together. This once a week, how are you? How are you? He might be ready to move on in two weeks, and you might be underwater in two weeks. Both of y'all are going to grieve this differently. And there's going to be days that you feel so relieved he's gone, and then you're going to immediately feel like a bad mom. Both of those are true. Both of those are okay. 
hold on, <laughs> that you're a bad mom is not true. It's not true at all. But the feelings are both going to be valid, okay? Oh, my gosh. I hate this for you. I hate this for you. I hate this for you. I'm so sorry. If somebody listening has some literature or some, um, I would love for you to write in and um, uh, you can email it to the show. I'd love to get some more information. This is one of the first times I've dealt with state custody outside of some really, really traumatic mental health disorders. Um, but I'd love to read about that. Um, so if you have some literature on that um, and you can send it to the show at johndeloney.com slash ask ASK, I would love that. Um, Elizabeth, you call anytime. Call anytime. We'll be walking alongside you. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Hey, um, during that last break, I got some, I did get some uh, new information here. So, yes, there are some care services where young people will go to get the care they need and they can only go if they are wards of the state. They can only get enrollment into some of these places if they're wards of the state. Um, and the goal is often reunification. So the state might sign them back over to parents when the kid is stable, the family unit is stable and all that. So that's me learning some new things. Um, I knew that that kids can get taken away if parents sign them over, if they don't want to deal with it, if there's like it shows with addiction. I know all that. I know about the removal I did not know that um, that there are only services available to you if you if they're a child's award of the state. I didn't know that. Um, so I'll continue to learn some more information on that, and um, I'll bring it to you. And we've already we got a couple experts here. We can figure that out. So thank y'all. All right, let's go out to Minnesota and talk to T Money. What's up, Tracy? Hi, Doctor John. What's happening? Uh, just working. Um, a little nervous, but <laughs> how we doing? Well, um, okay. Um, so I wrote into the show, um, and the question I wrote in is, how do I tell my husband I don't believe in him and I can't support his dreams? Um, I know that sounds terrible. I was going to say, um, that's a hot yeah. take. <laughs> <laughs> hot take. Uh, 
So here's the backstory. Okay. Uh, we've been married for eight years. We have three kids, ages seven, six, five. Um, prior to getting married, um, you know, my husband was very responsible with money. He didn't have any debt. He worked full time. He always had other jobs, hobbies, things he was working on. He was busy all the time. Um, after our first child was born, he wanted to start his own business, and I supported him with that. He's very smart. He's very skilled. He can do just about anything, plumbing, building, working on engines, basically anything with his hands. <laughs> hold on, hold on. This is awesome because, because he can build things doesn't mean he can run a business, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's often like, dude, I can make education to run a business. I am great at barbecue. I should open a barbecue restaurant. It's like, oh, those are two different things. Oh boy. Okay. So he started like a mechanic shop or handyman business or something. Uh, landscaping business. Landscaping. All right. And he probably just got a, like a spreadsheet or a piece of paper and wrote down like this many lawns times this, we're going to be rich. And you were like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah. All right. Then life happened. All right. So then what? Yeah. Well, he's a perfectionist, so everything always takes him 10 times longer than it would somebody else, if he can even stay on task and finish it. Struggles with anxiety okay. and ADHD. I don't know anything so about that, those two things, so continue. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and about six years ago, he started drinking as a way to deal with the anxiety and stress from his business. Yeah. Um, I guess, in my opinion, I feel like he prioritizes work over family, and I've basically been a single mom this entire time. Mm. Um, you know, examples like being two months pregnant with our second child, I've got a six month old at home and I've got the flu and his response is, well, I've got to go to work. Well, you're self-employed. You can't take the day off. Nope. Um, you know, that's the, um, um, sacrifice you have to make when you start a business. If you want to succeed is you just have to work all the time, 16 hour days, seven days a week. Um, but currently, um, our situation is, is that we own a 15 acre fixer upper hobby farm and there's a lot of debt between that and his business. Um, but now he wants to turn it into a small development. Not that he knows how to be a developer, um, build and sell houses on it. And I don't feel like I can support that. Um, the appraisal came back that it's basically worth twice what we paid for it. Um, and he thinks he can just take out more loans to pay himself or at the tipping point where we can't barely make the payments and his response is to take more money out to pay the payments. All of this while he's still drinking. Um, you know, he's alcoholic. Um, he can't get things done timely. He can't stay on task and he has more anxiety because he's behind. And so he drinks more, um, accuses me of not believing in him, but he's right. I don't, you know, I don't trust him. I don't, I just don't think this is ever going to happen. And I don't know like how to have this conversation with him without it sounding like an ultimatum. I think you're at ultimatum. I think well, you're there. I have. I've tried. I've been there. Yeah, but you weren't serious. You already. I don't know what my ultimatum is. You tell me. I mean, I've I've threatened divorce and haven't walked away. I mean. I mean, that's the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. You're y'all aren't addressing the core issue here, and I think the core issue here is your husband's clearly got some emotional health challenges that he hasn't dealt with. He doesn't know how to be married to a woman with three kids. He doesn't know how to parent three kids. What he does know how to do is incredible landscaping work when he shows up. And so he goes to the places where he's reinforced. He's also 
probably talks to a bunch of knuckleheaded dudes and watch lots of YouTube about how just take your land and flip it and roll it, roll it and flip it and take a second mortgage and then he locked that one and then triple stamp a double stamp. And he talked to a couple of buddies and they're like, yeah, dude, yeah. And that's where he gets reinforcement. And then you come home. YouTube University. Do what? I call it YouTube University. There you go. It's always been YouTube. There you go. Which has some cool things. You can learn how to fix a thing at your house. And you can learn some information. But man. Michael Jordan didn't YouTube his uh I, well, he was he was not playing then. I'm trying to think. Um, um LeBron James doesn't YouTube his nutrition stuff he hires a nutritionist and he doesn't youtube his exercise program he has a personal trainer guys who are successful don't youtube the depths right they might youtube how to fix a door handle all that doesn't matter he's your husband's not on the phone with me right now the question i have before you is how long are you going to stay on this ride and there are places to get off before divorce how many of these things have you co-signed on? Uh, because of the state we live in, I have had to co-sign on everything. Okay. Even though none of it's in my name. What if you started today saying, I will never co-sign on another thing again? Period. I have already said that. Okay. And if he signs your name, does he have power of attorney over you? No. Okay. If he signs your name, then you just tell him I'm going to call the police and say you fraudulently signed my name. I'm going to call the bank. Has he done that? No, and he wouldn't. Okay. But this isn't about money, and this isn't about your hobby farm, and this isn't about development. This is about your marriage. I mean, hanging on by, a, by like, dancing on a razor blade. Mm-hmm. What scares you about having that conversation? Do you think he's just going to walk out the door? I don't do well confrontation. I feel like any time I try to confront him about anything, I lose the argument. Just because he gets angry and he yells and I basically just shut down. Okay. So I just don't feel like I can even have the conversation. We've tried some marriage counseling. It didn't really go anywhere. Okay. Refuses to go back. You know, I've talked to him about the drinking. He says, yes, it's a problem. I'll get help when. Well, when this is done, when that is done. Well, nothing's ever going to be done. And I know it's just a phrase he's using. So you have to decide, okay, what I've done isn't working. I'm going to do something different to protect me and my three children because my husband has chosen not to protect them or to protect us. I'm going to stop engaging in tit for tat, back and forth conversations. Instead, I'm going to write down and I'm going to give him a copy and slide it across the table after I read it to him, not before, otherwise he won't listen to you. He'll just start reading and say, I can't live like this anymore. I feel incredibly unsafe your addiction is out of control your unwillingness to deal with your emotional health is out of control when he starts yelling say i'm not gonna engage in a back and forth not today we can later but not today and tell him if you yell i'm gonna get up and leave if you start going back and forth i'm gonna get up and leave will he least listen to you if you sat down and had a conversation with him i don't know anymore Okay. I mean, I also think he has more mental health needs than I'm aware of. You know, I've, and sometimes I can't tell if it's that or if it's the drinking. I can't even tell always when he's been drinking anymore. 
um, the last conversation I tried to have with him about something like this. I mean, he acted like he was psychotic, like punching walls, um, but he swore he hadn't been drinking. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's something else there, but he won't go in and get evaluated. He says, I'm not going to pay somebody. He feels like it's the most ridiculous quote ever, but he, he said it's like paying for sex to go to a therapist. I'm not going to pay somebody for that. Hmm. Just, that's a strange correlation that I wouldn't make, but that's cool. So you've probably heard me say this on the show, but whenever I'm sitting down and talking to someone like you, I always want to look at trends. And this feels like over the last five or six years, this has just continued to escalate in really um, unsafe direction. Mm-hmm. From, hey, I'm going to quit my great job, and I'm going to I'm going to strike out on my own. To it's not working out quite as I th- as much as I thought, and I'm incredible at my work, but I'm not a great boss, especially of myself, and I don't have the discipline. And then the the nerves kick in, and the anxiety kicks in, and the scatterbrain kicks in, and trying to keep up with the call that just came in on a piece of paper, and I can't find that paper, but I'm supposed to be somewhere, all that stuff. And the one thing that shuts off those alarms is alcohol. Mm-hmm. To a few years later, now he's punching holes through walls. So my question for you is, when and where does this end? What's your line? What's your, or what? And more, not more importantly, but equally importantly is, what's that line for your kids? Um, gosh, I just, I don't know anymore. You're outsourcing or, that to him. He doesn't get a vote right this second. I'm asking you. If you were in a classroom at your local church and a man walked in and started screaming and punching holes through walls, what would you do? Immediately. Right. If someone had taken your home finances and made it such a precarious situation that the chances of you having a home to live in this time next year are very small, what would you do? I've kind of already done it. We we are separated right now because of the weird situation we got ourselves into with this farm and we sold our house last year. Me and the kids are living with my mom and he's living out of the farm by himself. Okay. What I have told him is that I will not move back in there until you've gotten treatment. So I'm stuck kind of in this limbo point of waiting for him to get treatment while he's finishing this house out there for us to live in maybe that I've told him I'm not going to move into if he doesn't get treatment. Is he going to get treatment? He says he's going to when the house is done. So his wife and his three kids, y'all just hang on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do whenever I want to do it. Y'all just, y'all just wait at your mom's house. Yeah, that's the current situation. And with the money as bad as it is, like I could try I talked to a divorce lawyer and I, but I, I just feel so stuck with the money that if I were to divorce him, there's, I'm, I'm walking away negative. I mean, we both are. I don't even know how to, I mean, I'm definitely not getting out of my mom's house at that point then. I don't think you're getting out of your mom's house for a long, long time. And my guess is if I had to fast forward a year, you have three young kids and you had a picture of what this was going to be. You married an amazing guy who went to work and kicked butt and was there for you and those younger kids as they were starting to be born. And for a number of reasons, 
He has taken a totally different path. And so your picture of what was going to be is now very, very different. You never pictured yourself being a single mom with three kids living back with your mother. You never no. pictured yourself going back to work full time, which is what you're going to have to do. Oh, I've been working full time the whole time. Okay. All right. Good for you. I'm the one that supports the family. Good for you. I have the health insurance. Okay. You have all of the power here. You put food in his fridge. You got health insurance for him. You have all of it. And your veiled threats simply haven't worked. And I think there's a reckoning of, I got to deal with reality. He will not, he, he cares more about this project than he does me and the kids. Behavior is a language. He cares more about trying to figure out another scheme and another scheme. Or let's just say he's really sick. And he simply won't go to the doctor. That's probably my biggest fear. Like, I feel like if we could get over that hurdle, but it, maybe you, some of the rest of it would work out a little but bit. But you just we said we. Have the conversation. You said we, and that's not how it works. Right. He has to decide. And it sounds like he's willing to lose his family before he goes and gets the help he needs. Does that sound right? Well, shoot, he already has it, lost you. He already moved out. Yeah, it, it seems that way, yeah. He, he talks differently, but his actions are that. Would he meet you in a restaurant? Not at the house, not at your mother-in-law's house, but just you two at a restaurant? Yeah. And just ask him, hey, I need to, I need to know what the deal is. Or put it this way, you got 30 days to go, or I'm going to have to make some different decisions. Because I need to know whether I need to get an apartment for these kids or if we need to just make my mom's house permanent for a while, for a season while I can save up some money. I got to figure out how bad the finances are and we're going to a divorce attorney's going to have to do all that for us. Or are you going to go to the doctor within the next two weeks? And if he gets up and walks out of the restaurant, then you know. Right. And if you want to be extra enabling, you can grab, uh, get three names of people who he could go see, he could call right away. But he can consider counseling prostitution all he wants, but you get to make the call. Okay. What do you not like about this? Something just doesn't sound right in your soul. Is it that you just haven't come to terms with the reality of the situation? Or are you just holding out because you love him and you want him to come back? What is it? It all feels like stuff I've kind of already done before. Like I've, I've tried having the conversation. He's had appointments for counseling, for treatment multiple times that I've helped him set up and then the day comes and he just doesn't go. He says, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'll be, I'll be sober. And then a month later, then he's not. Um, and well, then now he knows he doesn't have to. He knows that now. In fact, when you call, he's like, oh, here we go. I got to do the merry-go-round thing again. Mm -hmm. And then he tells you all the right things and you leave and he gets another month or two to do whatever he wants. So it seems like the choices before you are just to make peace with this cycle. This is what it is. Or that you make some very clear time and date demands, for lack of better terms. And he gets to opt in or opt out. I will file on this date. I've already moved out. I've already told you you have to quit being abusive. I've already told you you have to stop drinking. I already told you you can't take any more money out. You've already wrecked this family. And by the way, if you sell the 15 acres, if it's doubled in value, 
and you drop the price a little bit to get it sold, y'all can get your, your financial situation cleared up. He's going to go from 15 acres and building his own house, and I'm going to develop all this. He's going to go to a one-bedroom apartment, but that's the life he chose. <sighs> but those really, it looks like that's the only two paths ahead of you. You've done all the legwork. You've done all this stuff. You have to decide, I'm not leaving him. I'm just not. So I'm just going to be here, plodding along, giving him health insurance, doing my life. Or you're going to be very clear. Here's a piece of paper. This is my, this is what it's going to take for you. This is how I know you want to stay married to me. If not, then the attorney's going to call and we'll sell these assets and we're going to split everything up and then we're going to go our separate ways because you clearly are more invested in this life that you're fantasizing about than you are about the kids and you are about me. I don't know many men who wouldn't take their wife and their three kids moving out as a huge alarm, a five alarm fire in their home. That's just me. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, man, today's show, is it, was it me? Today's show just feels like walking through like molasses. Yeah, it was heavy and just kind of like not a lot of yay at the end. Yeah, there's not a lot of great yeah. answers to some of these challenges. Just hard stuff. Oh, man. Whew. Well, as we wrap up today's show, from uh, my neighbor over here in uh, Tennessee, Chris Stapleton. And when I say neighbor, like, let's be honest. I live about 15 minutes away. You've never run into him at the at the grocery store? Those 15 minutes are might as well be 800 miles. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds cool to say my neighbor. He just put out a new record, and it's phenomenal. Chris Stapleton, song's called Trust, and it goes like this. Though we jump through hoops and dance on wires, walk on broken glass and play with fire, though we're blindfolded when we turn on the light, I know everything will be all right. If you trust in true love and you trust in time, if you trust in forever, trust this heart of mine. We can lose ourselves just like lovers do. If you trust in me like I trust in you, trust in me like I trust in you. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. <laughs>